everybody. Welcome to the Title Town Sports Podcast. Happy to have you here with us. Uh, I'm your host, one of them anyways. My name is Craig Stanton. I'm Melissa Burns. I'm here too. Just remote today. Yep. Title Town uh, Podcast Satellite Offices in Quincy. I'm here in Brighton. We're making it happen on a day where your Boston Red Sox have won the American League Division Series and are moving on to the ALCS. You fired up there, Burnsy? I'm super pumped. It's very different than the, the past few years that they've been in the playoffs. So this is a nice change of pace, not just getting swept out in the first round. Yeah, sure as hell right it is. And uh, speaking of a nice change of pace, I, I we're going to be pretty much wall-to-wall baseball on today's program, and yeah. I think that this is more or less the first time we've ever done that. So that's exciting, I, too. I, I would hesitantly say uh, that is 100% correct. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, before we dive into that, you want to uh, get caught up on the other teams in town? Yeah, we might as well. Uh, we have the AFC East leading Patriots. play. They played last Thursday night. Uh, which feels like that was forever ago. Yeah, it feels uh, they, like a long time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they beat the Colts 38 to 24, and that score definitely makes the game sound way closer than it actually was when you were watching it. Uh, we finally saw the return of Julian Edelman, both as a receiver and a punt returner. And the whole team uh, actually played pretty well. The defense was aggressive from the start of the game, putting some real big hits on Andrew Luck early. And this game also featured, fun fact, Tom Brady's 500th regular season touchdown pass. And that touchdown was Josh Gordon's first as a Patriot. Yeah. And what was the other part of that? uh, The other part of that record? It was like 500 touchdowns to, but he has the most diverse uh, group of receivers. It's like 71 or something like that. Yeah. It was like to to the most number of different receivers. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. It was pretty interesting. You know, Tom Brady continues to set records. And I think particularly seeing Josh Gordon find his place in the offense felt really good. Um, just Brady having more options is always going to be a good thing because it makes it harder to defend the Patriots. That and the Colts fucking suck. You know, the last time the Colts <laughs> beat the Patriots was 9 Oh, they get some serious yips when they're coming to Gillette. Too. Oh, my God. What a punching and, bag. And they were just wrecked with injury i i mean yeah that was bad too brutal and then they were i think they only dressed something like 44 players to be i was gonna say yeah i thought it was 46 but whatever yeah they did definitely not 50 yeah not enough and then they were just losing people left and right during the game it almost got to the point where like a guy went down and i was like oh i actually feel kind of (laughs) bad yeah yeah Well, because you want to feel good about the Patriots winning, but every time yeah. a Colts player would get hurt, you're like less and less justified by celebrating. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was exactly. like this becomes less and less legitimate as they just chip away at their healthy roster. But I mean, it basically, I was looking at, you, know, you sort of forget that the Colts suck so bad. They're, I, I decided that they, I'm going to make them honorary members of the AFC East. They're the oh. fifth, fifth AFC East punching bag team that we can enjoy. Every well, year now. we've played them so many times that it, it is hard to remember they're not part of the same division as you. That's right. And it's because the, the NFL just sticks them there because they think it's like some good historical matchup when it really it's not. Yeah. Once upon a time it was. But now they're right. just a, they're another punching bag to your point. The other two teams that are not quite so active right now, let's start with the Celtics, where uh, they finished their preseason 
with a one and three record. Not ideal. Um, neither Kyrie Irving or Gordon Hayward played in the final preseason game against Cleveland. Both of them uh, were staying in Boston to get treatment for some various soreness in various body parts. Uh, <laughs> so now we wait until Tuesday the 16th for them to officially begin their season. Um, and sometime, pro- sometime off will probably be good for everyone to get some rest and the team to work on some of the things Brad undoubtedly noticed during their preseason games, which didn't go great. I didn't watch any of them, so go seize. <laughs> yeah, me either. We'll see what happens on the 16th. <laughs> yeah, open up the 16th against the 76ers at home, I believe. Yeah, which should be a good game. You know, the 76ers oh, yeah. oh, totally. are, are obviously were a good team last year, so it'll be interesting to see how far they've come. In the yeah, just a too. lot of lot of runway to the regular season in uh, in basketball. There really is. It's surprising, actually. Um. All right, hitting the last team in town, the Bruins. They officially did open their season. Uh, we talked about this last time they were recording. That game was happening. It did not go well. They got completely stomped. Sure, it didn't. They got <laughs> whooped. <laughs> the Cavs scored seven times and shut out the bees. It was what I would call embarrassing. Uh, there was obviously panic in the streets of Boston for about 24 hours until they made their way to Buffalo and turned it right back around onto the Sabres and defeated them for nothing. All's right in the world again. Uh, they then had their own season opener, the Bruins that is, against the Ottawa, 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 Ottawa Senators (laughs) and won 6-3. Patrice Bergeron had himself a nice little hat trick in that game, which was good to see. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean... Not an ideal start for the Bruins. Tuka Rask letting in, I think, four goals, and then they pulled him. Yeah, Maybe it was five. Yaroslav Halak, our friend and yours, <laughs> Jaroslav, uh, pitched a fucking shutout my, the following did you, night. <laughs> did you see my tweet back to you the other day? Yeah, ja, ja, ja. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious, too. Okay. So anyways, I mean, the thing with the quick take on the Bruins is like, people forget this about hockey, but the opening couple of months of the season matter because really the playoff positioning doesn't change all that much over like the final months of the season. Uh, So like if you're not in playoff position by like Thanksgiving, you know, it's, it's a hard road to just to dig out, you know, especially when, you know, you get the whole point system where you get two points for a win and one point, even if you go to overtime and lose, like just it's sort of the, the standings tend to solidify pretty early on in the hockey season. So getting off to a really bad start is not inconsequential. Yeah, it's very different than I feel like every other sport where you talk about like, oh, it's early. It's early in hockey. Th- those early games tend to matter. Yeah. And one of the, and I mean, the, go ahead. Yeah. No, as you say, one of the reasons the Bruins had you know, such a strong um, playoff seeding last year was because of some of their early season wins and like really racking up those points early on. Yeah. And they also, it was a little bit of a scary start last year, like in the first couple of weeks, but they eventually got it right by like the time November rolled around and then they just never stopped winning. Um, But yeah, I mean, it can, it can get a little dicey, but I don't know. They're two and one now they're going to play Ottawa. I'm sorry, not Ottawa Edmonton on Thursday and they've got a couple other games coming through. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, they've got some trash teams to start the year, which is a good thing because you can kind of just build up that those points and put some spread between you and the bottom teams. But yeah, they got fucking smoked oh, against Washington. Brutal. That was, that was, that was brutal. <laughs> I was like, oh boy, that's... Yeah, we were freaking idea. out at 2-0. When we were recording, uh, it was 2-0. Well, we were yeah. like, oh shit. Little <laughs> did we know, by the time we were done recording, it was like fucking a bloodbath. Yeah. I didn't even find out till the next day. I was watching the Yankees... Oakland wildcard game. Yeah, me too. You know, obviously that was more pressing, but um, right. 
yeah, when I pulled the score up the next day, I was like, oh, yeah, I was. <laughs> anyway, uh, should we move on? Yeah, our, let's uh, talk some let's some talk Red some Sox Red Sox. Coverage? That kind of gets us back I'm into the pumped. groove of things. So where we last left uh you all was like we just said, Yankees in Oakland were playing that one game playoff game. And at the time of our last recording, we didn't even know who the Red Sox were gonna be facing in the ALDS, no less yeah. whether or not they I were mean, gonna win and how it was fairness, gonna play out. Oakland started a reliever, so I was pretty confident that it was going to be the Yankees. <laughs> That's true. And I mean, <laughs> you know, the Yankees, it was funny. Last week when we were recording, both of the teams that happened to get out to the early lead ended up winning in the yeah. Capitals and also the Yankees. But uh, so we went this whole week where this whole series started uh, and ended and we didn't have an episode. So what I'd love know. to do, and uh, Bernsey, you let me know if this is all right. I want to go through chronologically and just kind of rip through how you, how we were feeling at the time and what we thought about what transpired in the ALDS oh yeah I'm into it I was I loved this series yeah so let's just start right there so you know you uh, whatever fucking day that was Thursday night Wednesday uh, night. Wednesday night. Yeah. So Wednesday night last week, we find out that it's Sox Yankees in the ALDS first time meeting in the playoffs since the reverse, the curse 2004 ALCS. Uh, what was your original, <laughs> what was sort of like your like lead off thought when you realized that it was, we were going to get a Sox Yankees playoff series? Well, so I was just about to ask you this question. I was like, wait, they haven't faced off since 2004. I was a little shocked. Yeah. They kind of haven't been good at the same times as yeah. each other. Like since that, since like the early 2000s, like Sox have had good years. Obviously, they won a World Series. The Yankees have had good years. Right. Obviously, they won a World Series. But just they, they, their their cycles, their up and down cycles, haven't really like matched up like they have. Yeah, this it, year. you know, I think we just hear so much about the Sox Yankees rivalry, and like that's the that's the rivalry in baseball from our obviously Boston perspective, at least from an East Coast perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I was like, oh wow, it's been 14 years since they've met. In the playoffs. I was just shocked, but I was pumped to have them back. I was also very nervous. I, the Yankees have a good lineup. Like they're a good offensive team and that they were kind of hot coming into the playoffs. And I was worried that the, the pitching was just going to get smoked on the Red Sox. Yeah, I was, I was a little nervous. I mean, it's obvious, you know, they obviously won the series, so it's easy to, right. to, to couch your concerns in hindsight. I, I, I was predicting a Red Sox win. Like the the Yankees are obviously good and they're a worthy opponent. They have a good lineup, and uh, I had no confidence in their manager. And we'll get to that a little bit later on. Like managing over 162 regular season baseball, uh, regular season in baseball as the manager, really what your job, primary job is, is like making sure everybody gets the appropriate rest in like health. Right. But once you get right. in the playoffs, like the manager in game managing, we saw this with John Farrell being a fucking bonehead for the last couple of years. Yeah, like. It matters. You got to make decisions. Yeah. You got to like know your guys and know when to pull them and, and and all that stuff. And I just did not think that Aaron Boone, who's never fucking managed a game in his life before this year, not even for a fucking little league team, they take him right off the field as a player, put him in the booth and right out of the broadcast booth. And now he's the manager of the New York Yankees. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. It didn't make any sense to me. Why wouldn't you hire him as a bench manager with like a five year plan of him becoming yeah, it's your wild. major? Because he's getting eaten alive now in the press because because it was some of his moves that ultimately I think ended up costing them the series like he was hesitant he left people out there too long maybe he didn't make the right lineup 
moves. I don't know. Alex Cora just seemed to like hands down dominate over oh, Aaron coach Boone. circles around him. No yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. And one think, one other. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like, I think one of the things that the manager has to do during the 162 game season is like build some trust up in his players too. So that mm-hmm. when you make a move, that's a little unprecedented in the postseason, you have the buy-in and, and commitment of the people playing on the field. And it seemed totally. to me, Cora 100% had that. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cora, Cora, that's one thing that Cora comes out of this series looking like a fucking genius. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, okay. So here we have game one, right? Yeah. Friday night in Boston. You have Chris Sale starting against, uh, what's his face? J.A. Happ, um, who the Yankees picked up, I think at the trade deadline or right around the trade deadline. Yeah. Uh, Sox get out to an early lead and I mean, J.D. Martinez hits a two run, three run home run in the first inning, which was fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how you felt at the moment. I was watching the game, like not, I wasn't at the game, but I was down at Fenway at one of the bars and just like everybody lost their fucking mind. Chris sale looked good in the first inning at least. So like, you're like, all right, you can take a breath. He doesn't appear to be injured. Yeah. You know, I think he struck out the side or maybe uh, uh, saw four batters in that first inning. And then JD goes fucking deep. Uh, Seemed to me that the Yankees were going to win that game. They just ran out of time, just chipping their way through the bullpen, tack, tacking on run after run. I don't know how you felt about game that, one. That is exactly what it felt like they were doing. Is like Red Sox scored early, got out to a good lead. I, I 100% agreed. I felt like, woo, when I saw Chris Sale come out, looked good in the first inning. Good, not great. but Yeah, not like incredibly. Like he's not like, right. he's not dominant, not, but good. Right. But Solid. he was serviceable. He got you there. He was a good game one starter to kick off the series. And then, yeah, as the game went on and they just kept like scoring runs and tacking them on. And I think that was the game Porcello came out in relief. Even That is correct. Yeah. And actually, you know what? I just pulled up the box score, too. And I, I forgot about this until just now when I looked at it. it so Chris Sale went five innings and the Yankees yeah. didn't score for five innings. The minute that the Sox go to their bullpen the whole thing changed. I mean, you could feel yeah. it in the, in the room, whatever room you were in, like, like the, t- <laughs> like just the confidence level and the tone and the tenor, like Yankee scored two in the sixth, one in the seventh, none in the eighth, one in the ninth and eventually lost five, four, but right. it was in Porcello had the eighth. So six, seven, nine, you gave up runs and those are the only bullpen innings that you, you had. Yeah, definitely a shaky start. I am entirely confident that if, if baseball was a 10 run game, or I'm sorry, a 10 inning game, that the Yankees would have won that. Yeah. If they could have, if Porcello didn't have such a great eighth inning. And, and again, that goes back to our point about like Cora making the right decision at the right moment. Like if you'd run someone else out from their bullpen, like, all right, well now you're going to extra innings cause they've tied it up. Yeah. Just, that like, was boss. Nickeling I lo- their way away. Yeah. I yeah. loved Porcello out of the bullpen. I thought that Me was too. great. I mean, Fuck that's it. Cora it's- saying like, we're not losing this game. Like we right. were up, we're going to stay up. We're not fucking blowing game one. Like this is a must win because it's the goddamn playoffs. And and that's, yeah, I was just saying, but in it's game one, like now you, they'd already announced him to start game three. And now like he does that knowing that he's going to need another plan in two days or three days, I guess. But like, fuck it. I'll figure that out when we get there. I got to yeah. win this right now. I can't. Totally. You got to, you got to play for today. Uh, That was game one. It's a good game. Hooray, 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 celebration. (laughs) Uh, We're up one game to none. And then Saturday night, game two, David fucking Price takes the mound. Just David Price it all over the place. And gets chased out of Fenway, basically. He's hooked before, what, halfway through the second inning, I think? Two-thirds through the second inning? He got one out, I think. Uh, What were your your Price takes? I I was 
pissed. Like, goddamn David Price it is just such a baby. I don't know, even know the word to describe him. But, like, you consistently cannot win in the playoffs. Like, consistently. It is, no matter who you're facing, no matter what the situation is, like, you're walking in at home, up a game. This should be, like, the least pressured situation you can face in the postseason, and you shank it. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I was I was nervous about game one because of how it would potentially set up game two. Like, my biggest concern with Sale was that if he doesn't pitch well and the Red Sox lose game one, that's all the more pressure being put on David Price in game two. And so I'm celebrating because right. not only are we up one game to nothing, but also David Price is in an ideal situation. It's not what you would call a must win. I mean, obviously right. an actual must win is impossible in game two, but you know what I mean? Certainly yeah. would feel like a must win um, if oh, you drop the gone, first game. Yeah, right. If you just won. Yeah, it's, it is, to your point, remarkable how consistent that is, that he just shits himself in the playoffs. It's unreal. We actually got a call on this, which I'll play right now. Let's do it. Hey, guys. It's Dan from Concord. Do you think the David Price signing could go down as one of the worst in Sox history? 0-3 in the playoffs with, a, with the Sox with a 14.85 ERA. On the flip side, since leaving the Sox, John Lester is a 5-4 in the playoffs with a 2.63 ERA, an NLCS MVP, and a World Series ring. Am I crazy to still be bitter about the Sox not resigning Lester in 2015? Well, yeah, I think that's going to be the long-term problem with the David Price signing is that he was the replacement for John Lester, who ended up just continuing to be lights out when he moved on from the Red Sox. Like, had Lester gone to Chicago and also imploded, it, you know, you'd be able to say, like, well, whatever, six of one, half a dozen of another. But, you know, the fact that Lester... Or just been just, average. Yeah, sure. But he was, like, beloved. He was, you know, great for the city. I think people had a lot of affection for him. And so for him to move on and continue to be successful and us to be left with David Price, who, like, can't get his head out of his ass when it comes to a playoff game, I think it creates more resentment and, which probably in turn makes him, you know, more tight-assed when he gets out there and then yeah. continues to fail. And I, yeah. I think that he will forever be maligned as a Red Sox player. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it is possible that David Price could go down as one of the worst signings in the history of of free agency <laughs> in Boston. <laughs> like, I don't think it has so much to do with Lester. Like, it wasn't a trade. You know what I mean? Like, no, sure. yes, in the offseason where Lester signed with Chicago, we signed David Price. So, like, I think that's just kind of a salt in the wound thing to, like, remember historically. Like, I think David Price's... I don't think, let me put it this way. If, if like we just said, if, if Lester goes on to Chicago and is just pedestrian or sucks or whatever, like, do we feel any better about David Price? Like I, I wouldn't, no, you know what I mean? I, I um, wouldn't necessarily link them forever in the way right, that sure, sure, I think sure, sure. that they will be historically. Yeah. I just think, yeah. I mean, David Price is just, he's just so bad. He's just so bad. Like there's, it's, it's insane how bad, how yeah. insistently, consistently bad he is in big spots. And like, you look at these games, you know, in a four-game series where you got a good start out of three out of four guys and your highest paid fucking dude on the on the roster card is the right. one who just absolutely blows it. Like, not only did he lose, but he got his face ripped off. Didn't make it yeah. through two innings. Well, and that's the thing. It would be one thing if, like, he had a quality start and they ended up losing the game. Okay, you made it six. You gave up less than three. Like, what, what are you going to do? 
But like he was by far the worst starting pitcher in the series. Yeah. For or both for that sides. Matter, if he's, say. if he's, if he throws the ball over the plate and he just gets hit, like that's right. one thing too. Like okay, he's, his fine. first pitch is in the dirt. He's walking guys all over the place, hitting guys. Yeah. Like it's just a mess. Like you he's, can tell he's just a mess. Anyways. Uh, so can we talk about the end of that game where Aaron judge was walking out of Fenway, blasting New York, New York on a, yeah, I was box? just about to say the same thing. What was your take oh, on that? God, save it. I fucking love it. I think shit like that is what keeps a rivalry going. And it's the kind of thing that I'm like, yeah, okay. I heard it and I was like, fuck you, buddy. And then I was like, but like, get at you. You smoked there. Like you just stole home field back because you won one, you know, in Fenway. Mm -hmm. And David Price looked like trash. And I was like, all right, good at you. Like, I hope that the Red Sox come back and kick your ass now even more than I did before. Yeah, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I thought it was fine. I, I, it was more of like a media stunt type of thing. Like he's sure, walking through the course. hallway. He's not like directly taunting the Red Sox. Like he's doing it like via the reporters who are standing there capturing that yeah, moment. But like he's whatever, it's fine. Like he's what taunting expect? the fans. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't hate that. I didn't mind it one bit. And again, easy for us to say now that we've won the series and like, sure. you know, the Sox oh, yeah. last night are celebrating in the visiting locker room of Yankee Stadium again. Right. <laughs> uh, it, listening to New York, New York, like, so, you know, easy for it's us to say funny. now. Yeah, pretty funny. So, uh, I mean, let me let me ask you this too. Going into game three, so you just got fucking neck punched from yeah. game two, which wasn't like a huge blowout. I mean, they lost six to two, but like really nothing felt like it was going for the Sox. Uh, on that particular night. So going into game three, I know that my confidence level was not high. Yeah, Nathan Evaldi, who's kind of a rando going against the Yankees. They're coming home. They just stole home field, like you said. Like, what was your feeling going into game three? I was concerned. I was genuinely concerned. I thought that one was going to go right into the last column. And I was like, shit, you're going to need to win the last two. And when Cora announced... Evaldi, I was like, all right, I get it, because Porcello came out of relief, but like you have you have to win this one to like turn the momentum back. And then, you know, fuck was I wrong. Yeah, and not to mention <laughs> not only having to win, but like winning's one thing. Oh, you needed a quality start. You needed someone to go six yeah. innings, seven innings. Right. Cause your bullpen was jacked up. Like they were tired as hell. You used almost everybody over the first two games. Yeah, I mean, you had Chris, uh, Chris Kelly, Jesus Christ, 2011 Bruins. Uh, Joe <laughs> Kelly pitched, what, three innings or two and a third innings in game yeah, two, cleaning before. up Price's yeah. mess. You had uh, fucking Brazier in that game, too. Like, the whole bullpen had to get dumped out onto the field in game two. Because, again, it wasn't a blow. It would have been easier if it was a blowout. You know what I mean? Like, right. luckily for David Price, he let up a couple moonshots, but they were solo home runs. So like, you know, what's the, what's the deal? If it was 10 to nothing or something, it would have had, the Sox would have right. had an easier time because then they could have just, just thrown any old dickhead out there. To right. Just you just make up. one guy stand out there and throw the pitches and, and like, just get okay, his face smashed in. Yeah. They, they actually You're, were at a bit of a disadvantage there because it was still a competitive game. Right. They still had a chance to come back, especially because like their strength all year has been their offense. So like, yeah, they had a real chance. Yeah. And then along comes Big nuts Nathan Evaldi, oh, who freaking throws bullets. The dude was throwing a hundred miles an hour into the seventh inning. In, I couldn't I was fucking just believe say, it. Into the seventh inning, like I watched. Like first, I have to tell you, this was my favorite fucking game of the entire series. Not just because the Red Sox won sixteen to one, which was pretty sweet. But like, <laughs> yeah, tough pick. I'll, I'll get into everything that I love about this game. Uh, him throwing 
like that and being like, fuck you, fuck everybody. I'm going to win this. is like, yeah, fuck shit, this dude. team that traded okay. me. Yeah, you win. You win. So uh, game three, Nathan Valdi fucking throws bullets all night. Uh, this was also the night where Alex Cora takes out Eduardo Nunez and Ian Kinsler puts, uh, and Sandy Leon puts in Christian Vasquez, Rafael Devers and Brock Holt, all of whom hit at least a little bit. Brock Holt hits for the goddamn cycle. Like oh, this was, this was Alex Cora, like fucking swagging on everybody, making a yeah. last minute change to his starting pitcher and throwing these three fucking randos out there. And they all contribute like that was fucking awesome. Yeah. Brock Holt, first player ever in postseason history to hit for the cycle. Impact. Isn't that crazy? That is great. That was like, really? When I heard that? Like, see, that to me is like how, and we talked about this, maybe it was a couple weeks ago now, and it's like, see, there are still things, even in a 16-1 game, that like, there are still things that happen for the first time ever when you're watching sports. And that blows my mind. And like, I couldn't believe that. Most of those records that you hear in baseball games, there's usually a, well, this has one qualifier, which is postseason, but usually there's like a shitload of qualifiers and you're like, that's not a real thing. Like the first first time, like a second baseman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Left-handed blonde guy or like whatever. Since the wild card era who was born in a state that voted for the current president. It's (laughs) (laughs) It's usually a shitload of qualifiers. It's like first cycle. I actually turned this game off in like the eighth or so. So Brock Holt hadn't hit the homer yet. Um, And I woke up the next morning and laughed out loud because I couldn't believe he fucking got it. (laughs) But yeah, wild that it's the first cycle in postseason history. Who'd have thunk it? Baseball's been around a long goddamn time. Uh, Yeah. For it to be the first. I don't know if you knew that, (laughs) Clarky. It's not not new? (laughs) No, no, they've been doing this thing. They've been doing it. Damn. So, all right. So we've got a series at two, two to one. You've got the potential closeout game in game four, which was last night. Uh, what the fuck day is it today? Today's Wednesday. It was Tuesday Wednesday, night. So Tuesday night. That's right. So here's a, here's a big question. I wonder what your thought on going in was, w- was this was game four. Should it have been a all hands on deck, empty the bucket, close it out tonight, do or die type of thing. Or would you have gone into this game saying like, all right, if we're, if it's looking like we got it, then let's get it. But if not, let's just go to game five at home. Um, I think watching how Houston steamrolled Cleveland, I would have said we got to win this one because we need as much time off as possible. And I need to get like people rest and, you know, not have to use my bullpen two more games. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I mean, I think that makes sense. You can, I, I think arguments could be made for either approach. Uh, I mean, uh, clearly Alex Cora was willing to, I think as the game progressed and it was in, it was within reach you know, I mean, the Sox obviously got on CC Sabathia early. They loaded the bases in the first inning. Nothing came of it, but still, CC was pretty wild all night. Like he just clearly didn't have he it. Didn't have it. Uh, Porcello looked good, not incredible, but good. Um, the fucking you got one, two, three innings from uh, Matt Barnes and Ryan Brazier. Like it was seemed like everything was clicking, and I think that's where Cora made the decision to go with Sale. But I don't know. I I, I think pregame, I was I was thinking more like uh like. I don't know about going all out for game four, like, cause you don't want to fuck yourself for game five. You know what I mean? Like when he put sale out there in the eighth, I was nervous. Cause if they lost, like you just, that's your game five starter. You're trotting out there. Like that's a big risk. But I look at it as like, all right, you try to win game four. Cause then you have sale for game 
one, you could put Sale, depending on how he looks in game one, like he could pitch one, four, seven in an ALCS if you need. Well, yeah, if you win, but if you lose, if you lose game four and you put Sale out there and he has to actually throw like a significant amount of pitches, like, oh man, like imagine, imagine if game five was tomorrow and Kimbrell actually blows the lead in the ninth and the Yankees come back to win in dramatic fashion at Yankee stadium. And now we've got game five on Thursday and Chris Sale pitched the previous night. That'd be a nightmare. Uh, yeah, I think he was on a tight leash, though. Like, if he didn't have a one, two, three inning, or if he looked like he didn't have it, I think Corey would have yanked him quick. And, like, you could have asked oh, I agree. Kimbrell to get five outs. I think he looked at it, and, you know, I agree with you. I think he looked at it and was like, we we can win this. We can win it right now. Like We got to do it. it. We got to shut it down. It's all hands on deck. And that goes back to my point earlier about how, like, I think Cora was smart in the way he used this season and clearly the trust and confidence he's built up with his team. Because when he said, we're going to win this, I'm pulling sail. Everyone was like, yeah, we got to do what we got to do. Right. I mean, yeah. That was balls. Yeah. That was ballsy. Right. And the fact that sale, you know, coming off an injury and like, he's a big name pitcher. Oftentimes we see pitchers kind of being bitches and you know, mm-hmm. he wasn't like, no, I'm not coming out. Like I'm not wasting my arm. Like I'm a starter. He was like, yeah, we're a team. We got to do what we got to do. Like I'm a, I'm going to do what the, what my manager asks of me. You know what else I loved about that too? I expected him to go out there in the eighth and just throw fucking gas. Uh, and he didn't, he threw like, he, he was like throwing breaking balls and shit. Like he wasn't just getting up there and trying to blow everybody away. And that actually made me feel a little bit better when he was up there, which, cause that tells me that like there was an approach and there was, they talked about it. They must have like, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't just like, Oh my God, I don't know what to do. Chris, (laughs) go throw a hundred miles an hour. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so that calmed me a little bit while he was out there. Cause I was like, okay, there's, they're actually like, they thought about this. They, uh, Chris sale didn't seem to be bothered when he was out there. No. Um, and obviously he pitched well, Oh, but then Kimbrel, Jesus Christ, it all would have been for not if Kimbrel had fucked that whole thing in the last inning there. So you basically play two games in New York where everything goes pretty much right. Yeah. You jump on both their game three and game four starters early. Pretty much everyone hits. I mean, certainly everybody hit in game three. Game four was a pretty well-rounded offensive situation too. They loaded the bases twice, got a production from, you know, some, some, the bottom half of the order, Christian Vasquez, uh, Ian Kinsler, those types of dudes. And then you hand the ball to your, closer who's been with a, lights out with all season three been, run lead right. in the bottom of the ninth clean inning you're not a four out save none of this bullshit like just hey craig right don't do lose the game the thing that you we pay you to do and that you've done exceptionally well all year <laughs> and then he makes it and interesting. he lo- loads the bases hits a guy and lets Go. up a sack fly to cut well, the lead to that, four to three right that sack fly was like way too deep close as fuck to being holy a shit slam oh my god yeah that was the guy i forgot about that yeah gary sanchez that yeah. fucking pud gets up there and smokes one to the warning track like i thought a fan was gonna reach out and grab that fucking thing <laughs> yeah and then it, what the last play of the game ended up being reviewed yeah, Nunez, uh, it's like a little tapper in the infield. Nunez charges in uh, from third and throws it across his body, kind of tumbling to the ground across yeah. the pitcher's mound. Steve Pierce makes a great catch at first base. It was reviewed, but it wasn't really no, all it, that close. But still. <laughs> uh, the fact but that whole, it had to be, I haven't been. 
Yeah, I mean, I haven't been that nervous. It took forever, too. That was a long inning. That probably took 20 minutes. Yeah, like, well, when you're walking everybody and in, in yeah. I mean, they were just knocking them around. It like I haven't I haven't been that nervous in a watching a Red Sox game probably since I don't I, I don't know, maybe the 13 ALCS against the Tigers or something like that, but mm-hmm. like I I can't recall a specific time where I was so like so fucking afraid that they were going to blow it. <laughs> Oh God! I put on Twitter last night. I said, "What did I say?" I was, it felt like I was playing fucking Russian roulette. Yeah, you said Russian roulette would have been less stressful or something. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, yeah, but they pull it out. They pull it out. And they're on and, to the uh, ALCS. And we're on to the ALCS. They fucking got rid of the Yankees, which I think is great. I mean, what I think really my big picture take from this series is they avoided disaster. And you can interpret that as big picture or as small picture as you'd like. Like in any given situation, I think Alex Cora avoided disaster. I think he made a lot of really smart moves, particularly with pitchers, uh, bullpen guys or not bullpen guys coming out of the bullpen. He also had like, you know, one one of the things that undid Aaron Boone was leaving in uh, Louis Severino and leaving in CC Sabathia way too long in game three yeah, and four. And it fucked him. Grady Little. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And their bullpen's good. The thing with Grady Little is he didn't want to pull Pedro because he didn't trust anybody kind of out of his bullpen. The Yankees bullpen's the strength of their team. Yeah. Figure it out, Aaron. Get it together. Or don't. Whatever. <laughs> Lucky for us. I just have one more thing that I want to bring up. I can I I think I know what it is, but go ahead. Oh, do you? Um, in game three, I got really irritated when I was watching the TBS broadcast and fucking Ron Darling. The, oh my god! Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, keep going. The juxtaposition between Ron Darling is saying like, so basically it was Andrew Benatendi that he had beef with, who stole a base, mm-hmm. sw- swung at a three zero pitch, and he was like, "That's not what you do. That's you're you're up. You're you're leading. Like you don't embarrass the other team." And I was like, "He didn't even what? steal yet. He was just taking a big lead on first right. base as they're up like eight to one or something like that." Yeah, yeah. they were up. Yeah, they were up ten nothing, and like he's talking about these like quote unquote unwritten rules of baseball. Meanwhile, in every commercial break, they're running the goddamn, like let the kids play. The let, let the them kids flip play the commercial. Let oh my God. And I was like, Read my mind. You guys are so like, you're not on the same page. And my, I wanted to scream at Ron Darling and say, this isn't a like June game. You know, it's not like a Sunday afternoon in June. And like, he's extending the game. Like this is the goddamn playoffs. You play all nine innings and you play hard. The Yankees, came back on them in game one and almost won it. Like the Yankees could score 10 runs. The Red Sox yeah, had just they, scored they, seven in an inning. Like wh- and their it's bullpen the New York sucks. fucking Yankees <laughs> at home. The team that led the league in homers, Aaron judge, John Carlos Stanton, Gary Sanchez, all these fucking mashers against our shit ass bullpen. Right. Like he makes it sound like eight runs is some insurmountable lead. Like, are you kidding me? It's the playoffs, uh, it's man. The play- like I was like, no, you stay aggressive. You stay aggressive. Ron darling. Like, I'm sorry that you don't like it or that the Yankees might be embarrassed by it. Tough shit. They're a good team. People are going to play hard against them as they should. Yeah. I, the bringing, bringing the code, like the, the, uh, the, like the, you don't, you don't want to rub the other team's nose into it. Code into a playoff game. Like, come on. Right. Are you kidding? And if, if that's what baseball wanted was this code, then they would have a like mercy rule. And they yeah, would they say, make like, a mercy okay, rule, for fuck's like, sakes. Yeah, call it off like it's T-ball. Yeah, like that's not how it's played. And they're professional athletes, and they should goddamn hustle the entire fucking game. I was so irritated just watching that and listening to him. 
I was I was irritated by and I'm I'm not I'm never a dude that like gets on the announcers for like no, I don't give a fuck a, a right. par- like you know uh, uh, being against your team or having some sort of bias but I legitimately thought that Darling and the other guy I forget his name but the TBS broadcast crew was so Yankee biased it was nuts like not that they were necessarily. Like I just felt like they were just talking about the Yankees all the time. Every time yeah. they opened their mouths, they were just talking about the Yankees. They would they would describe outcomes from a Yankee perspective. Like for example, last night when the Yankees were behind, yeah, they kept on saying some things like, you know, if the Yankees don't come back and the Red Sox move on, like if the Yankees don't come back, then Game One of the ALCS will be a Saturday night at Fenway. And it's like. Why wouldn't you phrase that sentence by saying, if the Red Sox win, right. like, if, if the Yankees on. don't come back, right. like, I don't know. I just feel like every time they were speaking, they were speaking like they were wearing pinstripes and they had to like <laughs> form everything in this like Yankee slant. It was fucking annoying. And I'm honestly, it doesn't sound like it right now, but I'm really not the type of guy that's like, oh, fuck Joe Buck. He fucking hates the Sox. Like I am I don't care about announcers ever. <laughs> But this was like really started to fucking annoy me. Maybe maybe they're banging Susan Waldman and we just don't know. Oh boy, scandal. <laughs> yeah. They're trying <laughs> Maybe the Yankees are their home team, who knows? Yeah, they're playing footsie with the with the broadcasters next door. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, all right, so we got game 2. I'm sorry, nope, game, one, game 1 ALCS at home in Fenway. We finally have a normal 7 game series. Yeah. Uh you afraid of the Astros? What's oh, your feeling? Fuck yeah, I'm afraid of the Astros. They look good. They are good. They were. Uh, yeah. They won a hundred. Defending. Yeah. Defending World Series champs. Uh, hundred plus game winners. Made short work of the fucking. Uh, Cleveland Indians. Yeah, Indians. Of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah it yeah, wasn't yeah. even a contest. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and that, that was series, like, that's not great. And that was one of the teams that we were worried about yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Should be interesting. You got what should be a fucking awesome pitching matchup. Justin Verlander and Chris Sale game one on Saturday. They named David Price. This just happened today. Again, we're recording on a Wednesday here. They named game price the game two starter, which I think is absolutely stupid. I don't know what your feeling is. You know what I would almost do is like I I would almost have David Price pitch game three because like you give one up in Houston. This is not the worst you know what I mean? Like I always have this thing. Like I do think home field advantage is important in baseball because I think, you know, your own ballpark better. And there are like weird idiosyncrasies when it comes to ballparks. They're not regulation, obviously. For sure. And pitchers are weird and they have their routines pitchers are and all that super sort of weird. stuff. And so it's like, I would kind of make David Price the fucking sacrificial lamb. And it's like, well, if we lose that one in Houston, like, all right, we'll, we'll give yeah. one back to them in their home. Houston is also in the South. It's also indoors. David Price, who generally pitches poorly in cold weather. It's supposed to be cold this weekend. It was warm for this Yankee series, but it's supposed to be cold this weekend. I agree with your take about like letting one up on the road. Like you got to pitch him at some point. Right. I think. Yeah. I would say actually game four though. Game four is the only slot that is not going to pitch twice. Like he's your worst starter. Yeah. Period. Like he's bad. He's your worst starter by a mile. So I'd pitch him game four because your 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 first starters, you know, game one's gonna get five, game two's gonna get six, game three's gonna get seven, assuming that those happen. Your game four starter is the only guy that doesn't definitely you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm no, doing a bad a good, job of phrasing no, this. I know hundred percent what you're saying. But you can always bring I mean, I guess you can see how the series goes. Cause if you're down 3-0 heading into game four, are you gonna start David Price? 
Oh God! I no, mean, I don't, can, I don't know right? about that. You I mean, would if have they're to down, for sale back out there. You would have to. You would have to. But goddamn, hopefully that doesn't. Happen. Because in a seven-game series, you can run with three starting pitchers. Yeah. So theoretically, yes, you can. You can get away with a seven-game series with three starters. But the way that Cora had to manage the ALDS, he's got to take fucking guys out of the bullpen yeah. every other game. Well, <laughs> he's got to take starters out of the bullpen. That is. So like, I don't think he can. Uh, he no, needs yeah. four guys. I don't know. Maybe make David Price your mop-up guy. <laughs> coming out of the pen i wouldn't trust him then either though yeah i get i guess i look at game three is like game three can't be a make or break game and so right. i don't want to be 3-0 and be like fuck now i own now i have david price going because he's gonna turtle like he yeah that's true there there is no elimination scenario right. in the game three for sure yeah, it's tough. I mean, the thing with Cora, like I think Cora came came out of the DS looking really, really good. And he, but the thing I respect the most about him is that he has been able to look at all of his deficiencies and not be like in denial about any of right. them. Yeah, with one exception, and his name is David Price. That's the <laughs> only thing that he has not. I mean, he's not going to acknowledge it like in the press. I'm saying like sure. with his actions, right. he yeah. hasn't acknowledged. Like he knew in game one, he wasn't putting fucking Joe Kelly on the mound in the eighth. He said, Rick Porcello, you I get warm you. because like yeah. I need to win this game. And I know that I'm not putting another one of these bullpen bums out there. Right. Like so that's looking at your team, looking at a deficiency and saying, I got to deal with this. Like I can't win with these guys, I got to win with those guys. Yeah. The only person he hasn't done that with David Price. So yeah, hopefully that doesn't come back to bite him. Two starter again, I think speaks a hundred percent to your point. Ugh, yeah. We'll see. Anyway. Um, all right. Wow. Okay. I do feel good. I feel great. I feel excited. <laughs> I love playoff. Yeah. Baseball. Fucking yeah. Me too, man. Shit. It's been, a, it feels like it's been a long time since we've had like really good, compelling yeah. postseason baseball game. Yeah. All right. You want to, uh, get to this lighting round? I do. Whew. All right, so lightning round. Here we go. We're going to clean up the rest of the stuff that happened this week. Starting with uh, the NBA put out results from their annual GM survey this week. <clears throat> One question was, which player acquisition will make the biggest impact? And LeBron James received 97% of the vote. <laughs> I wonder who the one holdout was. Uh, <laughs> probably Gilbert in Cleveland, if that's still the owner. Or GM, whatever. Uh, the question to you, Melissa, is do you buy that one player can have such a large single-handed impact on a team in the NBA? Uh, when it's LeBron James, I I do think that he can. Uh, the Lakers were trash last season. Like, they just sucked all over the place. But I think someone like LeBron James, like, we've seen him so many times single-handedly change a series or change a game and just be like, fuck it, I'm just going to put up 50 points by myself and, like, win this. And I think it will be a very long and tiring season for him, but I think he will just muscle them into a better record. Yeah, agreed. The problem is he they still won't be able to beat the Warriors because he still can't. So Because they can't. <laughs> I don't understand it. Anyway. Also agreed. Yeah. Uh, All right, next. Drew Brees officially became the NFL's career passing leader on Monday night against the Redskins. He now has 72,103 passing yards. The game was then stopped while they had a little formal acknowledgement of his accomplishment. Was it cool or cheesy to recognize him in the moment on the field? And do you classify this record as a major one? Oh my God. So lame <laughs> to stop the game and acknowledge that he just threw for more yards. Like that's also kind of an empty stat. Don't you think just yep. overall passing yards? I sure like, do. Sh- 
sure, this is a good record for Drew Brees. Drew Brees is a very good quarterback, and he'll go down as a very good quarterback. But, like, stopping the game to, like, shake his hand, that's so weird. I, I didn't see it live, but, like, very strange. I, I'm not about that. Follow-up question. Did you see Peyton Manning's uh, congratulatory video? I did not. Uh, so he records this video where he's cutting tomatoes up for some unknown reason. And he is like, he's congratulating Drew Brees, but he's like, this is annoying. And now they tell me that you're probably going to be my touchdown record too. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and congratulate you for that one because I'm very busy. I can't keep stopping my life to make these videos for you. I'm out here making dinner for my family. I got things to do. <laughs> like it was, oh, actually, it was actually pretty funny. And I was like, God damn it, Peyton Manning. Why are yeah, you yeah, so yeah. likable off field? I just hate his quick sidebar for Peyton Manning. I just hate Peyton Manning's obsession with appearing to be a blue collar regular guy when he's not and he has never been. <laughs> but he's obsessed with his persona that he's cultivated over his entire <laughs> career that he's like some average Joe. Ugh, I hate that guy. I like it. <laughs> All right, next. I know I'm not supposed to answer my own question, but I also don't think it's a major record because it's going to be broken in like three years by like Matthew yeah, Stafford, who's Mahomes. like a scrub quarterback. Mahomes. <laughs> Mahomes is going to break it this fucking season. Yeah, he's going to do it this week <laughs> against the Pats. All right, next question. Yeah, okay. Odell Beckham Jr. Oof. Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, said in an ESPN interview that he feels that he isn't being given the opportunity to be his best. And that's a quote. And naturally, the, the fault does not lie with him. <laughs> he has since said he regrets nothing and has addressed the team and thinks it will help them all come together. Uh, do you think that players can unite a team through the media and talking shit? <laughs> or, and if you were Eli Manning, how would you respond to this? Um, no, I do not think that you can unite a team through the media like that. I think that was a dick move by Odell Beckham. And if I were Eli Manning, I'd be like, well, fuck it. I'm already one and four and this team sucks. So I'm just going to keep the ball away from Odell and see how he likes his stats on that line. Yeah. Another awesome thing from this interview was he was complaining about having like their yards per attempt is like under 20 yards. And then in the game on Sunday, he Odell Beckham Jr. threw a 60 yard touchdown pass on a trick play to second the, the fucking running back there, Barkley. And so now he has the longest fucking pass on the uh, on the Giants books this season, which I think is pretty awesome. He also has a perfect QBR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure does. I thought you were going to say that the best thing about this interview was that Lil Wayne was inexplicably Yeah, Lil Wayne was right there. <laughs> yeah, Lil Wayne was just riding shotgun. And then that was Lil fucking Wayne weird. Threw, like today on today yesterday on Instagram threw out like a diss video to Eli Manning too. If I were Eli Manning, I'd be like, listen, I'm just some Dude, dump out here trying to throw the ball. Off. Leave me the fuck yeah. alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, next. Anyway. Uh, so getting back to baseball, the NLCS matchup has also been decided and it is the LA Dodgers versus the Milwaukee Brewers. How familiar are you with these teams and do you have any predictions for this series? Um, I am not very familiar with these teams. Uh, I don't watch a whole lot of national league ball. I do like the, uh, brewers generally. They're like a scrappy little smaller market team that yeah. I can kind of get behind on like a level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and the Dodgers are a fucking wagon. Like, I don't really find myself rooting for the Dodgers. They're sort of like, I don't know, Red Sox, Yankees West. Yeah. Like I, just big so ass, many. huge payroll. They lost the world series last year. Um, I mean, if I were the, if, I, if, if let's just for a minute, assume that uh, we're going to the world series, which we are most we're certainly not. not yet. Yeah. Uh, I would rather play the brewers than the Dodgers. I mean, uh, just the, I'd rather I'd, I'll take the plucky uh, overachievers over the, big fucking gazillion dollar payroll team any day. Oh yeah, for sure. 
I mean, that's like the Rockies. Remember that Rockies team in 2007 that the Red Sox beat to world to win the World Series? Like they yeah. had won like I don't know something stupid, like 25 out of the last 28 games, like going up to and into the playoffs or some crazy thing like that. They were like little you know scrappy world beaters, and then the the fucking Red Sox just flattened them, swept them. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, let's do that. More of that. <laughs> let's re-rack re that. More of that, please. All right. Here's a good one for you. Yeah. Uh, the Nashville Predators, that's a hockey team, on their opening night raised three banners. Three oh, banners. Feels like a lot. <laughs> uh, they state the following. Banner number one says Central Division Champs 2017-2018. Another says President's Trophy Winners 2017-2018. That's a trophy awarded to the team in the NHL with the most regular season wins. Yep. And the best one, or my personal favorite, says Regular Season Western Conference champion 2017-2018. Uh, so if you're keeping score, that is three banners for a year where the Predators lost in the second round of the playoffs, just as far as the Bruins went last year. They lost to the Jets, who went on to lose to the fucking Golden Knights, who went on to lose to the Capitals. So uh, my question to you, I guess, is how fucking pathetic is this? And would you ever want your team to celebrate a good regular season and a perfectly fine playoff run with three fucking banners? No, that would be the kind of shit that would make me burn my like team attire and Ugh. would be so embarrassing. I would wear a bag over my head to the game because that's brutal. You can't Western regular season Western Conference Championship. That's not even a that's thing. A you thing. didn't you you <laughs> weren't the Western Conference champs. You just weren't. Right. You had the best that's more embarrassing. Oh, so you had the best record in the Western Conference and you lost? In the playoffs. Which is what the which is what the president's trophy. I mean, it's lame enough to hang a president's trophy banner. I hate the fucking president's trophy banner that hangs in the garden. There's two years where they won the president's trophy. They did not win the Stanley Cup in either year. The the president's trophy is nice, but it does not belong in your banner. Right, great. You were Ugh. the best loser. <laughs> so gross. It's terrible. Uh, all right. Marcus Smart and J.R. Smith got in a little shoving match in Saturday night's Celtics preseason game against Cleveland. Cleveland sure did. I cannot speak. Marcus Smart apparently told him to meet him in the back, and J.R. Smith responded on Twitter saying to meet him in the streets. J.R. Smith was sort of chuckling while it was all going down on the court, and Smart, after rushing in to defend Aaron Baines, was held back by Jason Tatum. Let's reset our Marcus Smart opinions from last year. Are you a Marcus Smart fan? And do you think his rushing in to defend a teammate has value? Uh, so resetting my Marcus Smart take from last year, I think he is overrated, but I am a Marcus Smart fan. I think he's a good... A, a, a valuable player on only a handful of teams, but in the Celtics are one of them. Yep. Therefore he's a valuable player. That, that's uh, a I'm, classic I'm, I'm, Boston I'm a, take. I'm a Marcus smart guy. I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, do I think his rushing into defend his teammate has value? Yeah, I guess so. Like, I don't know if anybody was unclear about Marcus smarts role on the team. Uh, I guess he sort of continues to solidify it, but I don't put any value in NBA beef like this. Like it's just so phony. Like, yeah. If you watch the replay of this, like J.R. Smith has his back turned and Marcus Marco's like running in, like he comes sprinting in out of nowhere and like sort of just kind of shoves him. Like if it was a hockey game, he'd punch him, but it's a basketball game. So he didn't. It's just like nobody ever fights. Like I'm like, I can't get that jacked up about a basketball fight, quote unquote, because they're just, they're not real. They could be. If someone wanted to throw a punch, they could, but they're, they won't. So they don't. Like and, the Malice uh, in the Palace. Yeah, well, that's punching a fan. That's a little bit different, but <laughs> oh my god, but like so they just specific. don't. They don't fight. <laughs> like it's not, not like that. It's not like that UFC guy who jumped out of the fucking ring to go beat the shit oh, out of the trainer. Like that, was that just crazy. does. We have asked that just about that. does not happen. 
Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I can't get that jacked up about NBA fights because they don't really exist. I didn't put the question in about the UFC guy because there was zero chance that I could say that guy's name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just dodged it. Yeah, if you don't know what we're talking about, you can Google it on your own time. Um, all, right. all right, similar question for you, Melissa. Brad yeah. Marchand uh, this week in that season opener beat the fucking bag out of a Capitals player by the name of Lars Eller, former Montreal Canadian, uh, in the Bruins opening night, 7-0 loss to the Capitals. Eller, uh, after scoring, I think it was the sixth goal of the game, sort of skated by the Bruins bench and like did a little wave uh, which wasn't cool. Brad Marchand took offense, challenged him. Eller didn't really want to go, but reluctantly engaged, dropped the gloves and just got his face smashed in. Here's another replay that I encourage our listeners to go oh, check yeah. out. Hockey fight, hockey Go watch this. Uh, so I guess similar to the smart question, uh, resetting your take on Brad Marchand, generally his value to the team. Uh, and do you think uh, beating the shit out of someone in a seven, nothing lost has value? Fuck yeah. Overall. I love hockey fights all the time. Anytime. I think it's good. I think you it's funny because as much as I was talking about like baseball and the unwritten rules and all that, like hockey does have those unwritten rules. But the beauty in hockey is that when someone breaks one of them, you kick their fucking ass and it's great. There's some accountability. Yes, exactly. That They're not going to take that and they're going to be a tough team. And I think the Bruins have always kind of had a reputation of being like the big bad Bruins and like they're not going to shy away from a fight. And so I like Marshan getting out there and saying, like, fuck you, bro. You're not going to taunt us because you're. this is game one. You're going to see this team again. It's important to assert some dominance, you know, and let your team know that that's not who you are and you're not going to stand for that. And that even when you're getting lost, even when you're getting crushed, you still have pride, you know, in, in your team and, and in your teammates. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um it's the it's the it's the non fighting stuff that drives me the most nuts with Marshan. It's it's the dirty hits and the fucking slashes and the licking and the headshots. Like if he's just gonna square up and start fighting people, like sure. Lars Eller is also huge. Brad Marshan's like five nine, like one hundred and ninety pounds. Lars Eller is like six two, like gotta be over two. Like this was not a uh, uh, you know Brad Marshan's a little fucking. Peanut. I don't know. Little rat compared to this guy. Listen, it, the, hey, Lars I, Eller deserves to get his teeth kicked in simply for being a Montreal Canadian in the past. Big Scandinavian goof. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. Last, uh, last, uh, last lightning round question is the uh, undefeated Kansas City football yes. chiefs are rolling into Foxborough on Sunday. Uh, kickoff is like 820 or something. I think the Sox play at seven. Uh, so that's the game too, David Price game. So it should be about eight or nine to nothing. Uh, Astros by the time that the Pats <laughs> kick off. So no big deal there. Well, may, oh, hey, maybe we didn't give Core enough credit. Maybe that's why he's having Price pitch game too, because most people won't see it, or he'll be out yeah. before the Patriots game starts anyway. True. He just wants to take the conflict away from all of New England. Appreciate it, bud. <laughs> they they uh, flexed your, the uh, Saturday Bruins game up so that it won't. I complete. saw that. It's good. Yeah. Good on them. Smart. Yeah, moved it up to three three in the afternoon. Uh, so what's your take on the Chiefs? Think the Pats are going to win? Uh, I do think the Pats are going to win because I don't think the Chiefs have a very good defense. They've let up a lot of points uh, over the season so far. But I'm actually kind of excited to see Patrick Mahomes in person and really like watch a game because I don't watch a lot of Chiefs football. I know that's right. Hard yeah, to you see the highlights, yeah. but like whatever. Uh, I do think the Patriots are going to win. I think that they looked surgical last week against the Colts. And I think that having, you know, back to that point about Edelman, Gordon, Gronk, James White, and Sony Michelle all kind of rolling is going to help Brady just pick apart their defense as it stands. 
Yeah, I agree. The, the addition of Edelman last week was also a big factor in that yeah, game. You can yeah. see it on the uh, just from e- every offensive uh, possession was it just uh, they're just a whole different there's a whole different team with a, with a really good slot option like they're yeah. just it's a whole different kettle of fish. So I'm also picking the Pats on Sunday, but okay. it'll be a good game. I, mean, I don't think it's yeah. gonna be a runaway. I just think they're gonna win. Yeah, I think they're yeah agreed. I think they've let up a lot of points in some of these games too. So it'll be interesting to see what offense comes out on top. I just. Can't help but believe in the Patriots. And if the defense plays as well as they did against Indy, granted, a much scrubbier team than the Chiefs have looked to be, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that will bode well for them. Should be interesting. Should be another good week in Boston sports, baby. All exciting four time of the teams year. back in action. Uh, and we'll be back next week with another uh, jam-packed episode, I am sure. Yes. Uh, in the meantime... Yeah. If you want to get in touch with us on the social medias, you certainly can oh, do that yeah. at Titletown Pod. Uh, I failed to mention this when I talked about that call earlier today, but uh, 904-87-TT-POD is our phone line. You can call in and leave us a voicemail yes. any old time. Yeah. And we'll uh, get your takes on the air, just like we did Dan and Concord earlier today. Yeah. You know, as things are happening, call, leave us your takes. Are you excited? Are you angry? Were we super wrong with a prediction and you want to mock us? Anything's fine. It's all acceptable. Anything goes on the on the, on the the Titletown call-in line. Anything goes. Uh, well, cool. I'll talk to you next week, Melissa. Bye. Later. Later.